Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. Still here in Edinburgh, and things are going well. Show's going well. The weather has been average to slightly above average. And uh, I'm just chilling in my flat listening to the construction outside as usual. I'm very excited to introduce our next chat with Nazim Hussein, good buddy of mine from Australia, uh, great comedian. Originally one half of the incredibly interesting duo, Fear of a Brown Planet, to Muslim comics, brown, brown comics as they call themselves, uh, you know, at a very interesting time, uh, took, some, uh, took some interesting points of view to the masses after 9-11. Now Nazim is on his own. He's uh, done two seasons of a series called Legally Brown, a sketch show uh, eh, Probably looks at a lot of issues around race, but just a very funny show. And he's here at the Edinburgh Fringe doing a show called Legally Brown. And I thought it was a good time to chat to Naz because the world has become increasingly anti-Muslim. And it's nice to hear uh, just a lighthearted Muslim's point of view because we don't hear it that much. And I loved what he had to say. And there's not much else for me to say other than to introduce my very good friend, Nazim Hussein. Nazim Hussein. What up? Right? I'm it's pronouncing good. it correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I never pretty say, good. I never say yeah, a second say, name. No one's ever said Nazim. You say Nazim. Oh, Nazim. Nazim. Did you're I say Nazim? Americans always go Nazim. Sorry, did I say Nazim? Nazim, yeah. Nazim. Nazim, Nazim. Nazim Hussein. Nazim Hussein. Hussein. How are you? Easy. Pretty good, man. Hussein's easy, yeah. <laughs> Hussein's easy. Hussein in the membrane. <laughs> Hussein in the membrane. Saddam. What else? Nasser Hussein. You're into cricket? Oh, no, I'm not like into cricket. English cricketer. That's uh, Prince Nazim, the boxer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I would call him yeah. Prince Nazim. I yeah, wouldn't yeah. say not Prince Nazim. And in that line of great men <laughs> with the surname Hussein, here I am. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what is... What is oh, 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 Bar- oh, Barack, oh, Barack Hussein Obama. Oh, Hussein yes. Obama. Yeah, 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 Barack Hussein yeah, Obama. I knew there was another Hussein in there. Yeah, so he's, he's a, he's a, he, has a, he doesn't use that much. For, for obvious reasons but Nazim yeah that's Nazim is not a very common name you know Nazim in Arabic means the organized one or a poet right so you know I kind of live up to that name kinda. you live up to the name kind of well you're not, definitely not, I'm not disorganized but the poet poetry thing yeah stand the poetry up, thing stand up yeah you're a bard I, I'm, I'm a, what's a bard a bard like you know like the traveling poet taking this yeah that's me man taking his words or, around and the kingdom that's it and if you come to my show you'll know that all my jokes all the punchlines rhyme Oh, no, yeah, it's very Shakespearean. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that's not true. So, uh, oh, there's also, have you seen The Night Of yet? No, what's that? The oh. Night, the new series on HBO. No. Really good. Can you get it for free online? Well, I've got there are ways. Yeah, there are, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you won't be hearing me say them no, publicly, but there are ways. It's terrible to steal art. But the main character in that yeah. is, uh, is a Nazim. Oh. But they call are him you Na- serious? They call him Naz. There's a, there's a character whose name is Nazim. Yeah, he's the main character. His oh name is Nazim. That's he's actually, uh, Pakistani. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah. Shit, that's, that's actually but like there's, a there's total dream Arab, There's some, not Arab, there's yeah. some Muslim themes in that. But the main uh. thing is that he's, uh, he's involved in a murder. Is that, it a terrorist kind of murder? Nope. Oh, it's okay. none of that. Really? So Dude, what, are the Muslim really theme, what are the Muslim themes then? If it's not terrorism... No, the, the Muslim themes are more like Muslim themes that are more realistic. Oh, okay. One, uh, the fear uh, around dealing with this particular court case because he's Muslim and okay. they can, they're concerned that it will you know, ex- explode into something else. Uh-huh. Secondly, they really look at the sort of importance of family within the right. Pakistani community in Jackson Heights, Queens. Okay. Um, just, just. I mean, I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, okay. not but, talk, there, but there are we're Muslim not talking things. about it. Even, but also the fact that he's involved. Why he's involved in this murder yeah. is he's having a sort of a blowout night, which is obviously a right. much bigger deal for him than it would be for another kid because yeah, he's yeah. not normally a drinker. He's oh, not normally with women. Damn. So there's all sorts of stuff going down. So bad, I think you'll really Muslim. like it. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll watch that and judge that fictitious Muslim. What a what a bad Muslim. So before we before we yeah. jump ahead too much, I mean, the majority of our listeners are Irish, but... We just, Irish just, Muslims? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> what? The, the 10 Irish Muslims are not listening to this. You're going to get that no, audience. No, that's not true. I actually live very near the, the Muslim community in Ireland. The Muslim? Is it just like one street? No, but there's just an area. There's two mosques, but I live near one of the mosques. Really? Yeah. Is it a the, good on, area? On the south circle. It's fine. Yeah, yeah? absolutely fine. But, uh, but just... Just uh, maybe explain a little bit who you are. I mean, for the okay, listeners, yeah. Naz is a very successful Australian oh, comedian. I mean, uh, obviously, we've been touching on the Muslim stuff because he's also a Muslim. But there's but, more to you than yeah, look, that. There's there's more to me than that. I'm I'm from Australia. My name's Nazim Hussain. Uh, I'm 31 years of age. Wikipedia, I'm 30. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? Not me. It was some some listener when I was doing radio changed my Wikipedia page. The first this person made me like a seven year old, and then made me 30 when they corrected it. But they didn't know that I'm actually a year old. And I haven't changed it. I don't intend to. I think that's going to... No, it's fine. 30 yeah. is a fine age to remain at. Great. Yeah, but that means each year I've got to keep changing it to keep to, to remain 30. Yeah, just from now on in your career, you're 30. I'm 30 from now on. Uh, what else? Oh, grew up in Australia. Parents from Sri Lanka. I was a lawyer previously. So that's, yes. that's pretty much me. So you... you I've you got an underbite. Right. That's another thing. What? An underbite. You know, your, your bottom jaw comes out. Oh, you have an underbite. Oh, it's which underbite. makes you look angry when you're not. Yeah, so I think I've got to smile more. Yeah, I think I've, but I've got bad teeth. See, I've got terrible teeth. Yeah, but that's trendy now. Is it? Even Cara Delevingne doesn't have great teeth. <laughs> She's like one of She's the, a hot chick. the hottest models. Yeah. Really? Oh, that is sick. I'm going to start. Dude, yeah. Are teeth. you just setting me up for like no, bad a teeth bad poster? Cool now, bro. Okay. All right, all right. That'll be your next show. Sure, all right. <laughs> so people are just getting their teeth knocked in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you're, uh, you're, you, for a long time, you were like traditional sort of ambitious uh, uh, immigrant, you know, the child of an man, immigrant. I, you just think about it, right? Like my parents came from Sri Lanka in the 70s. Um, they came to Australia. Like my mum at the time, she said she literally would walk down the main street of Melbourne in the city, like one of the streets in the city of Melbourne and she wouldn't see another non-white face for like minutes. And then when they see one, they both give each other the nod, you know, like it was, she had no idea, like she, she left Sri Lanka. No one in her family had ever really done that. She learned a new language, you know, worked like several jobs, put up with all sorts of crazy racism on the street. My dad studied in Oxford and Cambridge and then came to Sri Lanka. My mum came to Australia. You know, my parents got divorced when I was pretty young. My mum raised me single-handedly for a long time, right? Got me into good schools, made sure I had tuition, good university, became a lawyer so that I'd live a life, a better life than the life that she lived growing up in Sri Lanka. Yeah. And then I just throw all that away and just start telling jokes at pubs like... It, for her, she it took her a while 
to compute what the hell I was doing with my life. Yeah, like After it's almost everything. I mean, I mean, was it a genuine resentment from her about this? I wasn't resentment, but I think she was just like, she really enjoyed me doing it. But I was doing it alongside doing like the serious law stuff. You know, I'd wear a suit, and then and you were a that, fully qualified lawyer, right? Yeah, I went to you know, I went to, I studied law and science. Worked at a at a professional services firm, like one of the top four. You know, I was a tax consultant. Um, did a lot of stuff in the Muslim community. You know, very well respected in the young Muslim community, doing all the community work, activism, blah, blah, blah. And then the comedy stuff just started to gather a bit more steam. And, and where, where uh, did it, how did it get in your brain? Uh, how, how, what do you mean? Like where did, like where did you start to think I could be a comedian? I was just always an idiot. I was always mucking around. So even when I was doing like community stuff, like for instance, the projector might break down at a function, you know, at like the mosque. And then they need someone to just come up and just, hey, just maybe just talk to the crowd, just tell them what's going on. So they'd always get me. I was like the young articulate guy that would, you know, the, the uncles and aunties like. So I'd get up and start talking, just rehashing the stories about the about the prophet that maybe the last speaker was talking about. But I'd, I'd say it in a funny way. Uh, but not know. like funny about the prophet. Well, I, so I never, I, I had no concept of boundaries. So sometimes I'd make jokes that were distasteful right i remember one time so when, when i started to get a little bit more known as like the funny muslim guy in the, at the mosque you know i went on this muslim camp we used to go on muslim camps like not not training camps. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's terrible that you have to say that but just yeah we know about those muslim camps we know about I'm those talking, muslim camps i'm talking about you. the ones without the weapons you know but we, where we just learn about crime and, and so we did this thing called like you know we called nazim live Rove Live was a pretty popular TV show in Australia. Rove is a yeah, television Rove, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I don't, not many Irish people know him. It's like a Graham Norton. Mm. Um, and so we thought, oh yeah, how do we present serious stuff about Islam in a cool way? So why don't we get that funny guy, Nazim, to get up on stage and, and to host a, a fake TV show? So I, I hosted Nazim Live at this Muslim camp. And in between the speakers, in between like the Muslim psychologist and the sheikh and this and that, I'll be up there just telling stories. And I remember telling like a story about my mum. And it was like really funny. People were laughing. Just kind of bagging out my mum and making all sorts of jokes. All of a sudden, the head sheikh got up and he stood up and he said, Nazim, what you have done is committed riba, which is backbite. You've backbitten your mother. According to Islam, you need to go home, apologize to her and seek her forgiveness. And then he walked out of the room and the whole crowd was just silent. And they were Oh, that's just, a heckle. And they had, they, it was <laughs> a, it's the worst heckle of my life. I didn't no, know what, what happened. No one... Continued look at everyone, put their heads down. They were all really embarrassed and kind of ashamed for me, or like as in that I'd really crossed the line because you know they were like, I oh, will laugh so long as it's permissible. And then as soon as I got condemned by the sheikh, it you know that was the by end the, of that by the by the, by the, sheikh. By the sheikh. so like the the scholar, the imam, yeah. oh, okay. the lead, the priest guy. It was just so then when I when the camp finished, my mum came to pick me up at the mosque and um. And then I had to tell my mum in front of her, in front of the sheikh what happened, and she didn't really understand why I was saying that. She was like, "Oh, you know, it's okay if it's funny, you know." Oh, really? She was cool. With and it. then the sheikh was like, "No, this is very bad. We should." And then she was like, "Oh, yes, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, Nazim, you shouldn't do that." And she just played along, and she told me off as well. Anyway, so so from then on, I sort of started to learn the boundaries. You know, I started to understand that. Look, if you get if you get to make jokes about being Muslim, you've got to understand that. Well, you know, there's yeah, certain but that was sensibilities. There. Yeah, but that was there that in was, that community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but it's a weird mix because in a way they were sort of being supportive of you and creating oh, the you that you became. Well, well, but on the flip side, it was quite restricted. Yeah, it was pretty. Well, you, this is the thing, and I don't think 
I understand. Like, you're not supposed to make jokes about the actual tradition, like the religious tradition, like the, the, the practices and the kind of core beliefs. You can, you can make jokes around the stories of, like, about being Muslim and life as a Muslim, but just, like, religious figures you're supposed to steer away from. I understand that. Like, and I think, you know, unless you're being actually critical, what's the point of just... So uh, what about, like, say, in, over the years of my career, I've done yeah. jokes about being an altar boy and yeah, yeah. some of the sort of... I've made jokes about mass... Oh, look, Which I'm, obviously is no problem for me, but I'm wondering, can you do that? Can you yeah. do jokes about like Muslim traditions? Oh, so I make yeah, so look, I make jokes about the, the way Muslims behave doing Muslim stuff. So you can make jokes about other Muslims when it comes. Well, generally, you're not supposed to specifically call out a person because then that is talking. No, but badly I just mean generalizations. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what I do. So a lot of the so the, so the community really came on board once they could start seeing me as someone that was kind of humanizing their experiences and you know providing entertainment that was halal you know like you can't go anywhere and watch stand-up comedy as a muslim and see people talking about your experiences so they started to see me as that guy that was like oh he's talking about us you know it was yeah and it was clean i wasn't swearing um so yeah my my first audience was very very family and and, and muslimy and that's uh, pretty amazing and, and but you didn't consider yourself a stand-up comedian at that no, time not at all. i was literally just talking crap on stage and just just to be honest i, I really liked seeing my community like have a good time because we were just to be honest, I grew up post 9-11, you know, going to school, people would say all sorts of stuff. I knew lots of my friends who used to wear the hijab or have beards or have Muslim names, but would literally change their names, sometimes legally, according to like, the we call it deed poll, like we, deeds of title, you know, where right, you okay, yeah. officially change your name, take the hijabs off because it was just a weird time to be Muslim. So when, when I would be doing this Muslim humor stuff, I just felt, felt great. You know, I was like, yeah, man, I'm making my community laugh at a time when ordinarily we would feel pretty depressed felt like a bit of a superhero but um yeah so then how was it teaming up with amir for fear of a brown planet that made you go yeah it's more than just pretty making much. muslims laugh or did you go out on your own first and then hook up with amir well actually so when have you heard, do you guys have community television like just basically university style television like yeah, shitty television of. yeah kind of yeah yeah well, i think people know what you're talking yeah, about anyway. so, so we had a community tv station we thought you know what let's just make our own tv show so myself willie darley who's now the host of the project this year won the most popular. oh yeah right he yes. won the gold logie thing yeah we just made a tv show it was really crap just us talking about being muslim that just became, the two of you uh, about five of us actually oh, okay um that took that took off we actually thought off the back of that oh why don't we just do a, an hour of comedy at the melbourne international comedy festival so i remember calling up the comedy festival saying hey um i'd like to do a comedy show at the comedy festival they said have you done stand-up before i said oh yeah kind of they said why don't you try raw comedy which is an amateur open mic competition you just do five minutes i did my five minutes and i realized it's actually quite tricky to do stand-up you've got to spend a lot of time writing mm. thinking about your material and that's really when i started to learn the craft a little bit Right, more than so it was from that sort of group experience with the lads. Yeah, you, with the lads, you, it was you like, made this kind of bridging moment bridging into moment the real world. And then that's when non-Muslims and people from outside of my community started to come in, and you know, and I had to try and relate to them as well. Yeah. So that's, I guess, that was when I really started to grow. I feel as a comedian. Yeah, that's when you really became. That's a when comedian. I became. Yeah, I think that's when. I, yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I guess I was officially a comedian at that point. So then, Fear of a Brown Planet Fear was quite successful. Yeah, yeah. You guys were successful as a duo. How did that come about? So, so Armour and I and another guy, a friend, Muhammad, we just thought, we, we love Public Enemy. Massive hip. You're a hip-hop fan. Yeah, I was a You're big a Public Enemy fan. Huge hip-hop fan. And I think we... No, I always liked the title. Yeah? It was great, great, great I remember. I remember being in Melbourne that, I think it was your guys' first year. Yeah, yeah, probably. Back in 2008, maybe. Yeah, it was 2008. Yeah. And, uh... I remember seeing you guys and a woman in a hijab and I thought you guys were really serious. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and it was probably some preconception preconception that I had. It's like, oh fuck, man! Like I thought these guys, I thought Fear of a Brown Planet was like a funny thing, but now I realize it's like some sort of militant MIA. Yeah, pretty much. This is just us just creeping in. Yeah, but of course you're just being yourself, probably nervous before a show. But in my mind, I was like, oh look, Amir is is a much more serious guy than me, especially on stage. He can scare the crap out of white people. Um, but the but to be honest, like even when we're doing the competition, the raw amateur comedy thing, five minutes. The, the heats would be at pubs and when it was like my heat or Amir's heat like the pub would get packed out with Muslims women in hijabs guys with beards and as soon as my set would be done like everyone would just pile out of the pub really it was, yeah, it was hilarious. and they were just like people that, was that like, were supporting you because the word got out in the community that was, that was supporting us oh there's a Muslim doing stand up comedy let's go and laugh at him so it wasn't him. it wasn't you guys telling them it was actually no, it was just, just honestly it was like this massive groundswell of support and very quickly really really quickly we sold out like the first week of shows at the Melbourne Fringe Festival like immediately then when we did the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in 2008 the the the, the show sold out so quick we we ended up winning the best newcomer award I think off the back of our community just piling in but because people from our community were coming everybody else like white people non-muslims were like what's going on here and I think to be honest when you think about it Muslims are spoken so much about but you don't actually ever get to hear from them mm. so people are genuinely curious to hear what we joke about as a community so they'd come in and listen and yeah and, and then that's kind of where we got that kind of crossover market you know Muslims and non-muslims and we started to make mater- right material for for everybody for everybody for everybody yeah it wasn't just like a Muslim show anymore um, and there's a lot of humor in that, isn't there? Yeah, there's definitely like, you, you can each play each other off each other. Yeah, pr- totally. And that's like that's that's the most fun I have when you can really just play everybody against each other, and you know you can kind of you can walk that line pretty. You know, that's that's where that's where the fun is, I think. But did you find that you were getting mostly pretty right on white people that were uh, curious sometimes? But then there's also white people who come to the show who are like who expect a particular type of ethnic comedy where they want you to just make fun of yourself, and you know, like in Australia. Our type of ethnic comedy is, is very, very self-deprecating. Now we had Wogs Out of Work and Acropolis Now and even Akmal to a degree, like where you're expected to make fun of your lives and your parents and only you. Whereas if you point at white people and start making fun of them, it's, that's, that's, that's just not your place. But when we started doing that equally, some white people got a bit pissed off and were like, hey man. Oh, so you did do that. You, did, you didn't just say here's some funny stuff about muslims no. you said here's some funny stuff about it's being muslim because of you motherfuckers <laughs> you and the way that you treat us <laughs> pretty much yeah i look oh just this is what we laugh this is how we laugh at white people privately in our own houses oh really <laughs> yeah you can just kind of open the door a little bit and just say look to be honest this is we think all white people smell like wet dogs and not joking <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it's, it's yeah i don't know it's, i think it's just us being a little bit honest about how yeah. we all see each other but I mean there had to be an element of timing I mean as yeah. difficult as it was yeah, yeah. to be a Muslim after 9-11 yeah. and I can't yes. think of too many advantages there must have been Man. some sort of advantage that by 2008 the world had spent sort of seven years obsessing about yeah. Muslim extremism. Oh man, it's like and here's like another point of view coming along. There totally. must have been a big appetite. Yeah, man, it, that's the thing like it's just there was such a hunger and not just a Muslim thing just non-white comedians talking about life as a non-white person in Australia. Yeah. Like, there's just an absolute vacuum. So we just came along and it was perfect timing. People were just yeah. like, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and audiences, well, you know, I feel like people that come to our shows, they weren't necessarily people that would go to other shows. So we really did find uh, an audience of people that weren't really engaged with comedy. So here um, you are, you guys are two Muslim comedians. Two guys. In, just a, in a world that looks like 
whatever about recently that there's been a lot more terrorism again that's just yeah. like in the media but ignore terrorism just for one sec yeah yeah there is a world there's a, a massive amount of people australia europe uh, america saying that multiculturalism doesn't work and here's you guys that are sort of crossing both communities like how did that sort of <laughs> how does that fly you know with what people? i don't know man like i've been i've had lots of thoughts about multiculturalism over the years like you know obviously as a as a person from a minority community, we're always the ones saying, "No, you know, we've been here for a long time, contributing to society for so long." Blah blah blah. We're all the same, but there comes a point where you just think, "I don't know, man." Like multiculturalism is a very new thing in the grand scheme of the world. It's mm. multicultural liberal democracies are friggin' super new. Most of the time, people that look a particular way live amongst people that only look like them. So, England, the US, Australia, we're all friggin' new society. I just think like. If people don't accept multiculturalism, it's not really on you anymore as a person of color to try and convince them that you belong. I just, I've kind of had enough of yeah. that sort of person, to be honest. Like, And I think maybe those people that are racist actually can't be convinced rationally out of their bigotry. I think like they just, they're just white supremacists. Yeah. But like they just speak nicer. But how do you respond to the people that say, oh, you can't say anything without being accused of being a racist? Uh, I think sometimes like, I kind of agree with them. I think like, so, <laughs> you to, to be honest, I, I actually prefer people just being like straight up. Like if you've got something racist to say and you believe it and you ha you're willing to say it to my face, I don't mind it because at least you know where you stand with them and you can have a conversation. Whereas when, when I do find like Twitter and, you know, socially progressive people, left wing people, like it's all about how you say things more than like where your heart is. And I, I actually, in lots of ways, I feel like a person that's racist to your face is more likely to transform because they are, you know, honest with who they're they honest are. with who they are. And if you can, can if you can present to them a different perspective, they might go, oh yeah, and then they might change their. Perspective. I've literally had like I've done the Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow where we've performed in whack rural country towns in Australia. One time I was doing some jokes and this woman stood up and she just said, nah, mate, they shouldn't wear hijabs. I mean, this is Australia. And we started having a conversation, like started having a shouting match in front of the whole audience. By the end of it, she was like, oh yeah, no, nah, that's all right. And she sat down. And then afterwards she asked me out for a beer and I was like, oh, by the way, I don't drink. But anyway, let's go off. And like, that's, to be honest, I'd much prefer that than some, someone that says the right things, but deep down kind of thinks you're a little bit weird and strange and different and probably doesn't belong. Like, I don't know, man. I like, is that the conversation we have, which we should be having more rather than Trump saying, oh, this is PC gone mad or whatever. Should we be having more yeah. of a conversation that says, uh, if we just lay down a set of rules of what we can and can't say, then it just means that people can behave by the set of rules, but really never have their behavior challenged. Uh, yeah, I think... You know what? This sounds weird. I kind of like tr the people that vote for Trump are probably not so bad entirely. Like they're just pissed off people who at the end of the day, I don't think they hate migrants and Muslims or whatever because they have a hatred for migrants and Muslims. I think they actually want a strong America and they're told that a socially cohesive America is being threatened by other people. So that's why they dislike those people. Whereas if you just say, hey, actually, we both want the same thing. We both want a secure, safe, strong society. Um, and Trump is actually responsible for dividing us. They might actually be on the same side as you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Yeah, but that's a hard... I mean, people have been trying for hundreds of years to make that argument. You know, yeah, like kind of, whenever yeah, yeah. there's a nativist sort of swell yeah, yeah, yeah. of people saying what was before is better and these people are challenging yeah. it. It's easy it always divides society. It's true because those people are already poor and hungry and pissed off and they've lost jobs because of the industry. But someone like Trump 
is freaking he backs multinational corporations who send their money offshore anyway. So it's so he's actually the the guy who's stealing your jobs, not the bloody Indian at the restaurant down the street. No, but I mean, but without getting because I do yeah, want to yeah. talk a little more about that. But just to stay on the sort of PC yeah, yeah, yeah. thing for a minute, right, right. You know, there is um there is a reactionary sort of brigade out yeah, there yeah. that are waiting for people to say the wrong thing. Yeah, but I, for somebody who, to a degree, they think that they're protecting you, right? Yeah, Does that? Yeah bother you uh it doesn't yeah like sometimes you know you go to protests right like i've been to some palestine protests and sometimes what's annoying or even like aboriginal protests you see like white lefties who are on stage and who who kind of occupy the space and they're the ones doing all the talking and actual palestinians or aboriginal people are kind of like sidelined because it's all it becomes all about this this activist person who wants all the cred and who wants all the retweets online like I don't really need, you know, I, I appreciate the sentiment that you want to stand up for people who don't have a voice, but let other people speak. And also, I just think like when people just over, just go a bit nuts or they're, they're too hardcore on the language that's used online when people have grievances, then you don't actually get to have a conversation. Like people mm. just end up speaking to themselves, you know, like people who know how to say the right words will speak to other people who know how to say the right words and people who are on the other side of the political spectrum don't ever listen like it's just it's just pointless yeah i mean i i i keep that theme keeps coming up the fact that you know uh the internet hasn't really become a place for discourse it's just become yeah, a place just to, a bully like yeah, to find like-minded people and then yeah. have everything you believe uh reinforced yeah exactly and the people that, and it's always educated people that know how to speak so you know people that are on the left they like standing up for the underdog but underdogs are people that aren't particularly educated sometimes and don't know how to articulate themselves very well and i don't know i just find what ends up happening is that because of all this online outrage people that get bullied online are like possibly conservative guys who you know who might be a little bit bigoted but then they get stacked on they lose their jobs and whatever because yeah. of this online and it's like what have you actually gained like some guy has just been shamed and probably has a shitty 6 months and you forget about it. You've done your tweet and retweet and you move on with yeah. your life. It's just like, is that what you actually want to achieve as like a... Yeah, it's sort of, of a meaningless... Yeah, it's just it's meaningless. It's, yeah. it's like, I just think it's like a mean thing to do. I'd much rather have a conversation with someone or just just ignore it. Like, why do you need to go after... I don't know. I just think it's just it's just more self-serving than it is... Yeah, no, I, I totally and get all, what you're and saying. And it's comedians all the time, you know, like, like uh, I'm, uh, I do that sometimes. Like, you know, you write some witty tweets and you're like, it really took her down, took him down, you know. But then you just wonder, like, whether that person's even, you know, like, what are they going to walk? Are they going to walk away going, oh, yeah, I am an idiot. Or are they actually going to hate you more and become more hardened in their position, especially after they lose their job or become embarrassed in a newspaper article? Uh, so you're less confrontational than your former partner, Amir. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, I'm curious. I, I mean, like, say, mostly Irish people listen to this. They won't be totally familiar with Forever Brown Planet, but you guys did go your separate ways. And, I, I mean, I, I'm not Amicable. Really, yeah, 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 amicable. But what I mean is, was there, you know, artistically for you, what was your personal reason? Oh, look, politically, we're probably on the same page in lots of ways, you know? Like, we both have problems with the way... With, with racism or certain aspects of white society. Um, but Armour is a, is a lot more um, direct and frank and pretty aggressive with the way that he kind of talks about stuff. And it can be pretty intimidating, um, which is why, you know, in the show, I would go up first because I'm, you know, a bit more of a, bit more of a, yay, charming guy and I do accents and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's probably easy for, for some people to like me, but... I don't know, man. Like he, he, he has a way of going about things and I have a different way. I, I, 
Yeah. And it was just time to move on. Time, well, to be honest, we did it for like seven years. And yeah. we actually thought we'd just do it for a couple of years. It was sort of just just went on longer than we both expected. But yeah, he's, he, he's honestly like, in terms of comedy, like... Uh, no, he's great too. And I follow him on Twitter, to, yeah. but I see he ends up in a lot of confrontations. He does. He does. And, and I just don't know how he has the, he, um, he, the spiritual well-being to I deal think, with that every day. Okay, if Amu doesn't get it out, it's just going to stay in and it's going to bottle up. He needs to do this so that he doesn't become radicalized. <laughs> so it's good. Just let him get it out. <laughs> and he'll be okay with you it'll saying good, that? Yeah, he'll be good. Right? <laughs> it's safer that he's on Twitter. Yeah, yeah it's safer he's on Twitter, to be honest. Like, we've all got to get, we've all got to just vent, you know? Yeah. Safe so then, in, in the meantime, uh, you made uh, a series. Did you make two series or one yeah, two series? Se- two seasons of um, Legally show. Brown. Yeah. Which was a sketch show. Yeah, it's a sketch show on television. It's not on anymore, but uh, watch them on YouTube. Yeah, um, but it was pretty successful though, no? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, like to, I think that's where I really found like my audience in Australia. Um, I love Dave Chappelle. He's my comedy idol. And so his show was like him in studio doing stand-up and then he threw the sketches. Uh, so when I got my TV opportunity, I was like, uh, I'll make a show almost identical. Yeah, sure. So it's me standing in in the studio doing stand-up and sketches and social experiments and things like that. And that largely, fo- uh, is it safe to, yeah, it's called, to say it's, it's largely focused on sort of like right, it's same, race issues? Yeah, so it's called Legally Brown. So our kind of instructions were to, you know, to talk about those themes, pop culture, politics and race. Um, so there's a lot of silly stuff, but there are a lot of the, you know, when we were talking about issues, it was about race. But it was, you know, silly sketches. And so, you know, we'd do a sketch where... You imagine a world where white people are the minority. It's, you know, Australia's been taken over by Africans, Asians, and Chinese people, whatever. And uh, yeah, yeah, then you, 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 there'd be a sketch about bullying a white guy at work in the same way that a brown guy might get bullied, or or a world where dancing like a white person's cool because they're some. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the underclass. Yeah, so it's it's just pretty. We got to work with like you know Ronnie Cheng, who's now back then. He, you know, he was he was he was rising, but now he's on the Daily Show in the yeah. US. Uh, Matt Okine. Just, just, just great Aussie just comics. Great, great Aussie comedians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ne- never, and did you find you at the time? Oh yeah. Well, the, uh, <laughs> the Irish ethnic, uh, the Irish have only been uh, had racist things thrown their way once uh, or twice about boozing around St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> so that's right. Yeah, they're, Tony they're, Abbott, man. They're they're not feeling as uh, as hard done by. Perhaps well, what what do you guys think about Australians? Like, do, do you, Irish people about yeah. Australians? Yeah. My uh, wife, you know, she's half Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. She, I know. Yeah. She says that when she went to Ireland. People were like, they looked at her kind of like you look at American tourists overseas, like we're a bit loud and obnoxious, a bit too confident. Whereas in Ireland, this is how she's described. She said the culture, the social culture is such that if you try a little bit too hard, people just go, oh, look at you, you try hard or you can't dress too well. You just sort of go. Well, yeah, it's definitely a bit more cynical. It's a bit more cynical, yeah. 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 But in, you know, I, I think in a good way. I mean, it's, it's definitely what people like about Ireland. Yeah, yeah, it's very sort of... Well, you're going there in a couple of we're weeks. going there in a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll do a follow-up. We'll see. <laughs> we'll do a follow-up. I don't know Na- where I should Na- go. Naz- Nazim's Ireland. Yeah, Nazim's, Nazim's Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> I'll, go to the, I'll go to the two mosques, the one... The, the yeah, one on the South Circular Road and one in Klonski. Yeah, you know, so my wife's family, when I told them I knew you, they were, all of a sudden, my credit in the family. This is the first time I was meeting the in-laws. Just, whew, I just became, oh, you know. Oh. Oh, don't tell too many people you know me because you might become should, radicalized later on. And then there'll, then there'll be some association. <laughs> You're going to have to delete this podcast. <laughs> delete this podcast. <laughs> no, but uh, I wanted to ask, in terms of Legally Brown, did you, uh, 
did you get accusations of being insensitive? You know, you're in a broader, you know, you're yeah, in a oh, bigger bro, thing. And did you get white people suggesting that it was reverse racism? Yeah, because like the TV, or when you have a stand-up show, people pay to come to your show. When it's on television, you're, re you're, you're kind of pushing your way into people's homes without their permission. Mm. So yeah, everyone watches. And the first season, it, was, it took me a while to get my head around that because, you know, writing comedy, writing smart comedy for your audience is actually quite easy. Writing comedy that appeals to the broadest number of people while still, you know, keeping your flavor is actually really tricky to do. Um, so, yeah, we had all sorts of letters. I got a handwritten letter to SBS, to the network, basically someone claiming to be from a, a white nationalist neo-Nazi bikey gang, basically threatening to kill me. Really? <laughs> Tom, yeah, I mean, they misspelled my name and they misspelled the gang name, but they're obviously not from that gang. Um, oh right, because so that's somebody kidding around. Yeah, someone kidding around. But that, but the fact that they, but that gang itself, they, they chose the wrong one because that's the, that's a gang that likes to be diverse multiculturally. Like they, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> they picked the one diverse the biker one. gang. Yeah, we actually thought as a result, like we should have a press conference with like the head of the biker gang and say, hey, um, just want to let you know that we're actually we're cool with Nas. We're pretty cool with Nas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have a policy where we does recruit. that biker gang actually have PR? Uh, you know, they've done interviews. There was a documentary on them, the Comancheros. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's like the one gang in Australia where they pride themselves on being ethnically diverse. They're like, hey, you know, we do some bad shit, but we got Asians, we got Africans. <laughs> we got the worst of all cultures. We got the worst of everybody. <laughs> Bring them to us. Yeah. yeah. So if you're looking for a biker gang, try them. So, so, but in general, the response was positive. Oh, but to be honest, yeah, overwhelmingly, it was pretty good. Because it's on a network. It's like, cause we've got five channels in Australia, two of them public broadcasters. So like your BBC and whatever. And... Yeah, people that watch that network tend to be, you know, they're a little bit, people, they're a little bit right on, if you know what I mean. Mm. So people, people liked it. People, people really seem to, to like it. Especially like for me, it was a show that I, w I would have wanted to watch when I was a kid. You know, like just lots of, just lots of jokes about growing up and being someone that's not white in Australia. So people that, people that sort of really liked it were people that were brown. You know, we've never had brown people in Australian television before. So not that I'm groundbreaking, but to be honest, it was just there was there's no shows like that yeah. before. So the standard was, you know, may or may not have been but it's high. It's okay to be groundbreaking without you don't yeah, have to say yeah. I'm groundbreaking like that was your I'm goal. Not, oh, it was it was groundbreaking. I'm not saying the quality of the show was was amazing. That's up, up for you to judge, but definitely like the idea of it. There's yeah, and the fact before. that it existed. Yeah. Now it's interesting because I thought about Dave Chappelle <laughs> earlier when you were saying. Uh, you were saying something, but anyway, you mentioned Dave Chappelle then yeah. when, uh, which is interesting because in the end he wasn't happy with yeah. how some people were receiving the humor. Mm -hmm. You know, in other words, he wasn't happy that some people were sort of laughing at his racial jokes mm. in a way that was. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Almost reinforcing their racism. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? So he, well, he then walked away from $50 yes. million. Dollars yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you yeah, haven't had... No, I know that you haven't had that experience, but I'm curious to know, did you have that uncomfortability where you went, wait a minute, I didn't want you to be laughing in that way. Yeah. Well, listen, that's that's a constant dilemma, whether you're on stage, you're on television, you know, you make make jokes about your experiences in, say, your own communities, whatever, in front of an audience that aren't from that community, so maybe white people who have nothing to do with your community, you know, um, and they're laughing, and then... you know, people often wonder, well, are you giving them permission or license to then go away and make that accent or tell those jokes? Um, or are you reinforcing stereotypes? And I think to a degree that that is true. You've got to be responsible. But in the context of a show that talks about racism, I think those jokes are okay. I, I think like sometimes when you completely decide to not do jokes about your family or your culture or, your, or stereotypes or, 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 or throwing stereotypes back at the audience, that you immediately put racists or certain types of white people at the center of your show and they become the most important audience member. But like, I'm not making a show for those people. Mm. I'm making a show for my friends and family or people that would normally, or people who would normally come to my shows, people that understand this kind of comedy. So they're the people that I'm worried about. I'm not responsible for someone else's racism. Yeah, like, so you're not responsible. If somebody takes it the wrong way, it's not a concern for it's you. It's not, well, I mean, it, yeah, it's a concern for me to a degree because like, I, you know, if anyone walks away and goes, well, I saw Nazim's show and blah, blah, blah. Because I'm like, uh, I've got some degree of connection. But ultimately, no, you know what? He's an idiot or she's an idiot. They should know better. That's not yeah. up to me to educate them. Yeah. But yeah, I think you do need to be responsible and kind of like give it enough context so that people know. I don't know. It's yeah, tr- but I think you were tricky, naturally, man. I think you're naturally responsible enough. I don't think the concern is that you're indulging racists. Yeah, yeah. But you, you know. I, the, look, uh, the show is definitely not for racists. But if a racist person watches a show, they might laugh at all the wrong times or for the wrong reasons. And... You know what? I'm not going to turn away from doing the things that I do or those yeah, jokes so be because, it. yeah. So Chappelle, I mean, Chappelle, Chappelle, and he's probably got a higher bar than me, but yeah. But I think, I think for him, I'm mean, not that it matters. We don't need yeah, to yeah. make opinions on on, on Chappelle, yeah, yeah. but I would assume for him, it just became overwhelming that probably because I keep man, everyone so watched that popular. show. It was yeah. so popular. And maybe, you know, maybe if I become that popular, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you can feck off to Sri Lanka yeah, yeah, for a yeah. year with your 50 million. But I, do, I get that criticism all the time. You know, I do a stand-up show and like. I'm t- talking about my, you know my my family or something, right? And I'll do an accent, and then sometimes people say, mm, you know, do you really think you should be doing an Indian accent or a Sri Lankan accent when when some people in the audience might think that it's okay? I just think, yeah, I do, I do think so because people that laugh are also people that understand and share that experience. So it's like if you do an Irish accent. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But, that, but that's, I mean, that's a perfect comparison. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Irish people very rarely get upset when I do Irish accents. Yeah. But when you do yeah. that accent, I think people <laughs> judge you more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do like the yeah. Sri Lankan or sort of yeah. subcontinent yeah, mother because, accent. Because broadly, like it's only been used to kind of dehumanize and belittle. So if you do that accent, but it's in another, you're, you're, you're doing it for another purpose. Immediately, people make that association. Oh, a poo from the Quickie Mart, or oh, look yeah, at that funny yeah, head yeah. shake. You know, so it's all it, it, yeah. It, it's hard to divorce it from that. Yeah, but. I mean, I had the same problem with China because I, I started to do sort of bad Chinese English <laughs> accents. <laughs> yeah. But 
it wasn't because I was trying to make fun. I was yeah. actually just doing the characters that I was engaging with right. in China. How did they, how did they, how did it go down? Actually, you know what? I just about got away with it because the only people that actually suggested that it might be a problem were yeah. like Americans, white oh, really? Americans. Right, right. Uh, because you do grow up your whole life saying that's inappropriate yeah. to do. And it is in, yeah. in that context. Yeah. And in but, China, it's a complete, I mean, it's interesting because you're a, you're a guy surrounded by Chinese people in China. Yeah, you're on your own. So it's not like... It's a different it, power dynamic. Yeah, exactly. So mm. you're not actually... You're not you're mm. not doing it to hurt people. Yeah. So... Um, well, that's it. Like, it's kind of, it's hard to get your head around all this. Like, I'm sh- I don't even know. Like, is there a right or wrong answer? It's kind of hard to... No. You sort of need to judge. And to be honest, I, I, you can kind of judge whether something's right or wrong by working out whether that guy's, got, you know, means well or... I don't know. I just find it too... You know, some people say, is this a bad joke or is this not a bad joke? It's kind of hard to know unless you see the performer performing it and sort of, you know. Yeah, well, if you got too wrapped up in it, you'd never get anything done. I mean, yeah. it is quite stifling. Yeah, but yeah. I think in fairness, within the stand-up community, yeah. we have reasonable amounts of natural checks. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, comedians pull each other up, don't they? Yeah, and, and I, I, I think, you know, other than extreme examples, I think most people would would know after a while and then it would be up to them if they care or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I guess some yeah. people don't care yeah. and some of them still go on to be massively yeah, successful. That's, and uh, that's that's on them and that's absolutely <laughs> fine. So, um, I wanted to ask, like, do you, do you hate the fact that because you're Muslim, somehow mm. it means that you're, like, you just get talked to more about, like, uh, is your comedy important? Or, you uh, know, like, yeah, it's pretty annoying. I mean, it can be pretty, not annoying, but it's like, yeah, look, obviously, if you come to my show, it's not all about that. But I think the most interesting thing for people to talk to me about is is me being a Muslim and doing comedy because people just aren't really used to that. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, I think maybe like in a year or two, who knows how long it'll take. I think people will just start to accept that, oh yeah, there are Muslim people are Muslims and funny and producing art or comedy or whatever, and it's just normal. But right now... It's definitely a pretty... Yeah, well, now you have this ramped up situation where just, well, people are getting real free with the tongue Yeah, yeah. about how Muslims are the problem. Man, in Australia, before I got here, we're in Edinburgh at the moment. I don't know when this comes out. but um, oh, it'll be tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, before I got here, like there was, you know, we just had our Australian, the election, the federal election, and Pauline Hanson, who's like a renowned race politician, mm. she's got four seats in government. She just comfortably asked... She asked why Muslims don't come out against Islam, which is completely stupid thing to say. Another really popular television presenter who's a host of Australia's Got Talent and like a morning television show, really popular. She just comfortably spoke about why we should ban Muslims coming to Australia. And these are just normal conversations now. So it's becoming like worse than after 9-11. I don't remember it being this bad. No, it's definitely worse. It's I mean, I, I, can, I, I see that. It's definitely worse. It's just, the freedom with which people are speaking about it. Yeah. I, to me, this is this is my interpretation. You tell me what you think. Yeah. To me, it seems like there's a huge amount of people that just go, where's the common sense in yeah. not noticing yeah. that Muslims are the problem? Mm-hmm. When are we going to do something? Well, that's that? it. You know, I feel like we're literally like one bomb away or one incident away from people just going, that's it, piss off. You know, I've had enough of you. And but the but the but the actual reality, if you step back and you work out where do all this shit come from, it's actually because us in the West, Western countries went to Muslim countries, bombed the shit out of people, killed hundreds of thousands of innocent people. Like, what is that, that Chilcot report that just came out? Literally said, 
ISIS is a, is a direct result of the UK, Australia, and the US intervening in the Middle East and creating that power vacuum so that a group like ISIS can exist and flourish. So when ISIS is created because of us and then people that are fleeing ISIS to come to our countries because we went and tried, you know, and we're calling them cockroaches. And then after ISIS is created, we then attack Muslims in the West because of something that we did. Like, it's just, it's completely nonsensical. Yeah, so, but you must get some serious shoot down when you make that argument. Because I, I make that argument with my friends, right. you know. But I, you know, Irish people can do that. Because Irish people are like, you kind of, you're sort of a little bit anti-English, anti-British. So you're able to, you know, those conversations you can probably have more comfortably than saying... No, but I but listen, it's an I I am no defender of ISIS. Right. I mean, I, oh, I can also understand people's like you know it it feels like an unsafe time. But it is also clear to me mm. that policy Western policies in the Middle East have have created more problems than they've solved. Well, even Osama bin Laden, like you know, the the, the clock kind of didn't start when nine eleven happened. There was a there mm. were in, there was intervention in the Middle East from the Gulf War. Like it was, it's I just think people just. Uh, are too quick to react and actually don't really consider our role in the situation that we live in. Like, this yeah, is not to blame wanted, the yeah. West, but it's a little bit more complex than just saying Muslims are bombing places. Like, if you bomb, if you kill hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians, like, there is going to be a reaction. You're going to create someone like Osama bin Laden. You're going to create ISIS. There's there's going to be a reaction. That's what's going to happen. But even if that wasn't the case, so let's mm. put that to the side because yeah. that's, that's an argument well made. Yeah. But even if that wasn't the case... Yeah. Don't you, it's still unfair yeah. that every time some Islamic extremist yeah. terrorist episode, yeah. because when people say Islam, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I mean, basically, you're talking about super extreme. Oh, I mean, it's, it's literally people who have a political ideology and use the language of Islam to recruit, again, simple-minded, hungry, angry people to to their cause. That's literally what it was. If you look at what, what Osama bin Laden was mostly politically motivated and he spoke politics more than religion the stuff that he used in the religion to back his arguments was just like he rarely did that he dressed and looked like a muslim leader but he doesn't he doesn't speak in the language of islam he spoke in in a political language so it was all very ideological politically ideal so yeah it's i mean it's almost like chinese whispers too like the things that people think yeah are muslim language yeah are really just things that have been twisted and twisted and twisted to the point where it seems oh. like Muslim is the language of hate. Right, it's literally, you can just cut and paste stuff from like, if you, if you, you can make the stupidest, like the arguments that have been presented by ISIS are li literally go 180 against the, the core. Like there's, what is it? 1.6 billion Muslims in the world. And uh, there was a stat recently that I read that said 0.0002% of the world belong to terrorist organizations or support them. So if even 1% of the world was, was terror one percent of Muslims were terror the world would be over. Like we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to exist. But the thing is like okay, ISIS are front up about their their ideology. They want the world to be divided into Muslim and non Muslim. I don't think people understand that people that hate Muslims also want the same thing. They want the world to, to be divided along the same lines, Muslims and non Muslims. They actually are two sides of the same coin, ISIS and Islamophobes. And I think we don't put enough heat on people that hate Muslims in the same way that we put heat on people that become radicalized and join ISIS because they are as much part of the problem. ISIS only exists because they create the, rea the reaction that they do amongst Islamophobes, amongst people that just hate Muslims. Mm. So, I don't know, man. Like, I see tweets all the time like, oh, surprise, surprise, another Muslim. Yeah, as yeah. if we go like, when are we going to wake up to the reality yeah. of the situation? I don't know. And, and to be honest, like, every time this shit happens, every time, like, some 
racist at home says some stuff, I actually get freaking, I feel like I'm internally getting radicalized and I'm a nice guy. But imagine some actual angry kid yeah, who's some, been uh, yeah. bullied his whole life at school, who's been called a terrorist, you know, some kid that was born after 9-11. Like I've met people who were born in 2002. I'm like, oh my God, you, like, you're now- You've only known a world that known, considers you a little threat. Yeah, that considers you a threat in your own community that you that you grew up in place. Like your parents helped set this society up. Uh, he, he would be radicalized so much sooner than I would ever, you know, like- mm. Imagine joining a group that says, you know what? We've got your back. We understand your grievances. Yeah, the West are and, all... And you, and you get empowered. Get empowered. Sense of belonging. I mean, it's all this... Someone hands you a gun. This, yeah. Free ticket to Syria. Business class. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great package. <laughs> um, okay, well, you know, you've made some good points. Yeah, I, mean, I could talk about... No, 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 no. No, no, no problem with that. But no, it's I, listen, man. I was dying to hear your opinion on it because I've been. I, I'm I've probably been, gonna get freaking frisked nah, at the airport now, nah, man. Listen, <laughs> I've been I've been getting angry myself because I've got friends well, like you, and I, I, you know, I I just feel like it, it doesn't get out enough. Well, I don't. I, I just think, yeah, man. Like I don't know. What, I don't really know what what the solution all this shit is. But what, but but now that we've made some good points, some serious points. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty funny. What you were saying about business class and serious. <laughs> like, what is the um? You know, like I, when you're hanging out with say your Muslim buddies, yeah, yeah. just having the crack. <laughs> Like, what are the sort of, what are the kind of Dude, like... Dude, if I told you some of the things I would say, I honestly will get, I'll get stripped, searched <laughs> every airport. Like, man, every time some idiot says something in the news, oh man, like, I just, I just, you know, I can't even say it. Oh, don't say it then. Don't get yourself in trouble. No, because I know, like, I know when nobody's looking, myself and my buddy say some ridiculous shit about whatever's going man, on. Man, you know. But I would imagine there has to be some humor in, like, Pretending to be radicalized. Yeah, pretty or, much. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we often, we often just we, we prank call each other. Like it's in my show, we talk about it. But because we often get surveilled all the time by ASIO, like the our version of the CIA, we call each other, pretend to be ASIO, and a lot of our friends fall for it. Like they actually start oh, really? freaking out, answering questions. And really? <laughs> oh, so do you get you get you get surveilled? <coughs> yeah, all the time. Is that, like, is, that the, <clears throat> is that the word? Surveilled. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You get surveilled. But, I've never needed to know because I've never been surveilled. <laughs> true, this is, here's a true story. You've never been surveilled. Dude, come to Melbourne. You've got a beard already. If yeah, you but just I haven't out, if, been surveilled. Dude, if you go to the mosque a few times, I could tell you a few mosques to go to in Australia, in Melbourne. Um, if you go to those particular ones, man, you'll, you'll have a car following you. I had a car following me like when I was uh, second year uni. I was walking down the street and there was a car literally parked on the top of my street. And then when I went into the house, it was in front of my house by the end of the day. Like uh, That happened for a couple of weeks. And I asked a lawyer friend of mine. He said, oh yeah, just... That's probably ASIO. Just go go about your business. Also, Amir and I, we were on a call once. During the call, we heard ASIO talking about... A, we heard people talking about a conversation. So we then changed topics. We then heard them talking about how we just changed topics. And then we heard them talking about how they think they've left the thing on where we can hear them talking. And then they stopped talking. So it's, it's, a, it's just a common thing in the community to prank really? call each other. Yeah, swear to God. It's crazy. You know, in Australia, if you get arrested by... A, if you get interviewed by that organization... They can lock you up for 21 days. No lawyer, no charge, no arrest. Now, have you ever been brought in? I've been brought in for a chat. They took me out for dinner. Um, it's a whole, whole thing in my show. But basically, yeah, got a call. I thought it was Armour prank calling me. And I, I made a joke about wanting to blow up a primary school. The guy was like, hey, is this Nazim? I go, yeah. He goes, hi, it's Dave from ASIO. I said, oh, I can't speak, David. I'm at work. I said, I'm just about to blow up a primary school. Can I call you back later? <laughs> <laughs> is that actually true? Swear to God. Um, I thought it was Armour. <coughs> I thought it was Armour. <coughs> They met me after work, took me out to this really fancy restaurant on South Bank in, in Melbourne along the Yarra, and they paid for dinner. 
ask me all these questions and they they try to act like they're your friends so they were talking about israel and palestine going mate israelis are crazy you know i mean they make you wanna i mean i mean they make <laughs> as, if, as if i was just gonna jump in there and be like oh yeah kill all the jews wipe israel off the map am i right fellas <laughs> anyway but then um yeah lots of my friends have had free dinners an iraqi friend of mine so how did that dinner finish it finished with them telling me not to tell any of my friends about the conversation. I didn't for a couple of weeks. Then I asked... They, they sound like pedophiles. They... <laughs> oh, yeah, what are, what are pedophiles and easier have in common? <laughs> what do pedophiles in the Christian church have in common? <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, it was, it was full on. They, but they were... they. You know, they don't look like normal... Like, they were dressed in casual clothes, but you could tell that they were like kind of robot people wearing their civilian uniform. Like, they just look dead behind the eyes. Yeah. Like, I think they pick people who you know, are not, who aren't in relationships, people that are just a little kind of sociopathic. Like, they're just really weird to talk to. Like, you never felt you were able to connect with them in any way. Yeah. Anyway, it's really That's bizarre. Actually, to know that they were ASIO, when I, when I was talking to the guy on the phone, I said, uh, how do I know that you're actually ASIO and you're not just one of Armour's friends participating in some elaborate prank? They said, hang up, Google ASIO's number, find the free call number, call it, and it'll come straight back through to me. So I did, hung up, called it, went straight back through to that guy. So it's pretty full on. Like wow. And when I left the building, I'm not making any of this up. They said, Nazim, they called me on the block number and they said, just turn right at the river now, thanks. And they told me to keep walking. Like they were watching me. It was real. It was really, really weird, man. It was wow. Really and in the conversation, they kept dropping in things about my family life just to kind of freak me out, to let me know that they knew things. Anyway. Man, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a great... You should That's just fascinating. consider becoming Muslim. It's such a fun religion, you know? You get all these... Well, I, I do want to ask you something uh, different to what we've been talking about, which is stand-up comedy, particularly <coughs> like the circles that we run in. Yeah, it's pretty liberal. Tends yeah. to be left-wing. Yeah, not many religious guys in no. comedy. Yet you, fitting right into all that, are one of the most <laughs> religious guys that I know. Pretty, well, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty now sure. nothing to do Bit with shit, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. nothing to do with like yeah. what we've been talking about. Yeah, but yeah. just in terms of how does that sit with you? When you're surrounded by all these atheists and guys that shit on their own religion, <laughs> like I shit yeah. on my own religion all the time. I'm not a religious guy. I have no yeah. faith anymore at all. Yeah, but so you're gen you're most comedians are genuinely atheists. I feel. I think that's the religion of comedy, don't you think? Like because because comedians are inherently cynical. Backing something like a religion is actually kind of goes against your cynicism because to be religious means you've kind of got to like believe affirmatively in something. You kind of have to back the principles there. And if the, you know, like, it's easy to, it's easy to undermine religions because there's all sorts of whack stuff that, uh, that the religion says of itself or that people talk about. So yeah, it's pretty weird. Like, man, but, no, but you're a religious dude. I'm a religious. No, yeah. As in, it's, it's weird existing in this community as a religious guy. Like even, you know, and putting aside the drinking thing, like, you know, there are lots of non-drinkers. Well, I don't drink either. Yeah. You so. don't drink, yeah. You don't drink. Um, but it's just, yeah. Like I met a Christian comedian recently in, in Tasmania, in Australia, and that was pretty refreshing. Like he's someone that's like he does. He's a he's a hilarious dude, but he, you know, he's a practicing Christian. I haven't actually seen too many of them. Like someone that. Well, Frank Skinner is very Catholic. He's, okay, I'm not sure. If yeah, he's pretty famous in the UK. And so what but is he's he pretty about? Catholic. Uh, but he just jokes about whatever. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. just a very openly Catholic. Yeah. And uh, Tim Vine is Christian. Tim Vine, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's like Milton Jones. Right. Yeah, just just guys that. But I mean, it's not a part of their act. Well, mate, mate, in America, there's probably more because America's like the culture of America is that you believe in God. Like to to be atheist is probably weird, but to be religious, I think, is also pretty weird. Yeah. No, but I was just curious how, how you know how you. It's funny how, I I wonder if you were as Christian as you were Muslim, would people be mm. as 
Oh, well, people. I think people would give me more shit if I was Christian because you can. People don't know where to start with Muslims. <laughs> They're like, eh, just leave that alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is an interesting paradox in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe I could even out myself. Like, if you were as Christian as yeah. you actually are Muslim, yeah, I'd probably be like. I certainly would probably like argue with you more. Yeah, and true. Question it more. But you know what? If you were as if, if if I was as Christian as I am Muslim, I would I would believe in it. I would really believe in it because I I would be up against all the just like I I am as Muslim as I am because I know all the things that people have said about us. I feel like if you're a Muslim in the West now, you're really a Muslim because people shit on your beliefs all the time. So if you're still gonna assert yourself as an affirmatively religious Muslim, you need to know what you actually believe in. Like a lot of people just grow up Christian or they just grow up Muslim because their parents are, which you can do in Muslim countries or Christian countries. But if, if you're in the West where people question you and you're, you're in the media all the time for people saying all sorts of stuff, you have to know what you believe in. So yeah, if I was a practicing Christian now, I would, I would probably be a really good Christian that knows all the stuff. You know Cornell West? Cornell, no. so he's a, he's a guy, he was like, he's this uh, philosopher, academic at Harvard Uni, hardcore Christian, as in, he's a very practicing Christian, but he's like, um, I would consider, my, if I was to be a Christian, I would probably be a Christian like him, like, he was a philosopher behind the Matrix, you know, he kind of came up with that ideology, that idea of the show, uh, he's worked with most Def, like, Barack, you know, he, he was, he's critical of Barack Obama, but he was campaigning for Barack beforehand. He's a political activist, but yeah, I think like very, very Christian, very, very Christian dude. And so he's obviously come up against all these objections and, and think questions that people have said about Christianity, pedophilia, but all that, whatever. And you know, he's able to stand behind his religion and say, look, there's a difference between Christianity and Christians. And I think if you're going to be a good Christian, follow Christianity, don't follow Christians. Same as Muslims, you know, don't follow Muslims, follow Islam because the religion is a good one. People are freaking idiots. Mm. So I think that's what I always tell myself when I see people saying dumb stuff or or doing dumb things, I actually go, well, what do I believe in? And let me check my own beliefs and see what Islam says of itself. Because that's what I'm, that, when I do that, I feel like I'm not lost. But yeah. when you listen to other people, you know, we're all, according to Islam, we're all just, you know, we're all, we're all idiots and fallible. So why, why would we follow each other? We should help each other to find truth, but not follow each other. Like we don't have the idea of a father, for instance. I'm not preaching Islam, but I'm saying like, for me, Islam is like the pursuit of truth, not like having certainty within myself. You know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm, so, I'm open to criticism. Is what I'm saying. One last thing I want to ask you about, and this has been freaking ranty. I've just been, just been. Loved, it's, dude, it's perfect. The more you talk, the less I have to talk. So <laughs> ideal for me. No, no, dude, it's super sure. interesting. Right. Do, do not second guess what you've been saying. And the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and if, if it's not cool to talk about it, absolutely fine. Oh, I don't okay. want you committing khiri uh, uh, or whatever. The, Backbiting? Yeah, yeah I, I don't want you committing. Okay. But, but like, you know, so you said your parents were divorced. Yeah. Which I, you know, I didn't know that was as common a thing yeah, in yeah. Islam as you casually just chucking out that your yep. parents were divorced. Yep. Like, what was that like growing up in the Muslim community, and how did that fit in with, you know, like yeah. just I just curious to know how that sat yeah, with you guys like, when you were younger. We'll see again, like just what I was saying. So there's a difference between Islam, what the religion says, and what the people do and say. The religion actually looks upon divorce favorably if it's a good thing. It says it's a halal thing, it's a permissible thing to do, and it's encouraged if you need to. Whereas people stigmatized like divorce in certain communities. So in the Sri Lanka community, Sri Lanka Muslim community in Australia, when my mum got divorced, my dad, you know, he was a bit of an alcoholic and he then left to Sri Lanka. My mum was the one that was stigmatized and she was treated like crap for, you know, certain people would say all sorts of things about her. You know, my mum would work like three jobs a day. I remember, you know, some people would say that she was prostituting to make money because they just, it was like they, you know, 
I don't know. It was it's just such a it had such a bad connotation. So yeah, for a long time, it was tough. Um, but yeah, she she she's she's a strong woman, and if if she wasn't that strong a woman, she wouldn't have been able to raise such great kids. But yeah, it's not it's not an easy thing. But now, like I think with with the you know the younger generation of Muslims who are born and raised in Australia, understanding you know grow, have, growing up with great Western values, where like being a single mum is actually a great thing yeah. culturally. And also having an understanding of what Islam says, which says that Islam that we, divorce is good and single mums are like to be praised and revered. Like they sort of corrected that whole community cultural attitude. And now people start to respect my mom and pat her on the back. But it's the same for me. Like when I say the same sorts of people, the same people that used to shit on my mom when she was raising us sort of now take a 180. It's really hard for me to just forget all that like i have a yeah. lot of beef internally with certain people oh really because oh, of man, that yeah. and did yeah, you pick up on some of that shame when you were younger oh why not absolutely like you know complete 180 like when my dad was there it was great you know my dad's a popular dude you know blah 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 we get invited to social places like we'd, we'd be in the loop as soon as my mom got divorced isolated and it was just a very lonely kind of time so yeah, and I, and I remember, you, 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 a six, seven, eight-year-old kid, you still remember who's who and who's saying what and mm. who's treating. So, yeah, you, you definitely remember. And I still see those people, you know, and I might smile and be nice to them, but, man, deep down, I'm like, you fucking asshole. Yeah. Well, principles before personalities, <laughs> totally, they say man. in uh, 12 steps. Totally. <laughs> yeah. No, but, I mean, it's interesting because that existed in Ireland, too. It's interesting because a lot of people bring up stuff about islam's treatment of women mm. and you know all these types of you know mm. the, how traditional it is mm. but it wasn't that long ago in ireland that single mothers were shunned sex before yeah. marriage shunned all you stuff. know like people were treated very badly based on on religious beliefs mm. and there has been an improvement there too like a rapid one yeah but you experienced all that and you've seen a change yeah it's not a story you hear a lot about when you hear about the way that muslims treat women and things like that well that's it like the, again like if you look at all these like for instance in Muslim countries men treat women like shit in a lot of Muslim countries not all of them uh, but it's actually again nothing to do with what the religion says because religion says a woman is to be treated really well she can get divorced if she feels like it blah 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 but these are just sexist societies where men like to dominate and so you bring these cultures and people try and justify them with the language of religion again People just believe it and accept it. And yeah, because people... I, I did a talk about immigration at the Kilkenomics. It's this right. economics and com comedy festival that they have in Ireland every year in November. Right. In Kilkenny, then. Yeah, and I was asked to chair uh, a chat about immigration. <laughs> and there was one British woman, I forgot her name, but she was just a, a Daily Mail type. And her game is just like winding people up. Mm. And she immediately brought up why I am anti-Muslim is because I believe in uh, women's rights and... These yeah. people don't. and mm. But again, she said that this is fundamentally mm. Islamic well, as opposed to yeah. these societies being sexist society, like these yeah. governments being... Being just sexist. But at the same time, she, if she's talking about women not being treated... Look, Pakistan had like a female prime minister. Like the, if you go to Indonesia, like the largest Muslim country in the world, there are female high court judges, like members of parliament. Like way before America had heads of state, Muslim countries had, had female heads of state. Like it's... It's kind of it's 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 a nice narrative to present, but it's factually incorrect. Factually incorrect. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think you should if you if you want to know how Muslim women are treated, speak to some Muslim women, and you'll hear how they feel they're treated. Yeah. But you know, that's not to say that they're not oppressed in some places, but sure, of course, yeah. But, you know, to all those people that bag my mum out, I'm coming for you. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, but that's fair enough. <laughs> now, to be honest, like, man, my success is now, it's for me, it's just like a badge for my mum. I'm like, you know. Really? Yeah, man. Even though she resisted it a bit at the start, right? She did, but you know what? Like, the reason she resisted it is because she, she worked so hard to give us a good life, and I think she didn't want me to throw that away. You know, she wants me to be financially responsible. It's hard to look at someone performing in pubs and go, that's a good career path. Yeah. <laughs> that's better than being a lawyer. Yeah, but I mean, I can understand. I mean, it's definitely more of an Asian thing. Totally. Uh, most of the Asian no, guys... No, as are, if your parents... If you, if, your, if your parents raised... They wouldn't want you to be broke. That's that's a universal thing. But to be like a lawyer, an engineer, doctor, yeah, that's, that's a very... Yeah, I mean, my, my parents just... All they wanted was that I got a degree. They actually didn't care. They were into me doing comedy. They just made, wanted to make sure I had a degree. See, like, yeah. like it matters. Like, what they didn't realize was by the time I would be of working age, my degree would be fucking worthless anyway. You know, it's what's funny. Your, what's your degree? No, a history and English degree, like an arts degree. Are you serious? Just we moved on as, as a society from like a college <laughs> degree, meaning as much as it does. So, so what, are you still paying that off? Or do you get no, a free no, education? No, it's free. It's, I was educated in Ireland. Man. It's pretty free. I got an, well, could I get an Irish passport if my wife's gone? I don't know, man. You'll have to. We'll discuss immigration yeah, issues yeah, yeah, on yeah, another. Man. I want to. I want to another podcast. So they're very popular now. That uh, after Brexit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's nice to know that your mom, your mom is fully behind you now. Yeah, now, man. does your mother come and see your shows and hear you so, bagging on her? And yeah, she came. She before I came here, she came on tour with me to Tasmania. She uh, she was in the crowd. We were in pubs and stuff, and she was there in a hijab, you know, laughing and clapping. And when I mentioned her, she stands up and takes a bow to the audience. <laughs> really? So she's into it. She's totally into it. Man. She she laughs before punchlines. Because she just wants to support me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and has she ever turned around and said, "I'm not comfortable with this story"? Oh, uh, so, so yeah. Like when my mom's in the crowd, I won't swear, right? But one time I said "bloody," and afterwards she was like, "You can't say bloody. That's a bad word. That's very rude." And really, so she told me off about that. Yeah. So she doesn't like me swearing. Um, I can't remember. She just basically like bad themes. She just you know, d don't insult yourself by doing. <laughs> really. So she's still quite traditional. Yeah, she she can't help it. She, she's what about? You know, do you I have any sexual stuff? I don't do any... I can't, I can't... I feel weird doing sexy stuff generally. Like, I feel weird talking about sexy stuff. But, um... But, yeah, no, I can't... I, you know... No, there's none of that. Because you're Muslim married now, right? I'm Muslim married. But, you know, maybe it's just because I've grown up. It's, you know, like... Speaking conservatively about all that stuff. Like, you know, maybe amongst the boys privately. Maybe. But not... You don't speak about your, your wife. Like, it's just maybe broadly about sex and stuff. Yeah. But you wouldn't go, oh, man, I did this with my wife. Or how is... It? You know. And you never feel... So you know the way you're surrounded by guys that are just yeah. like completely comfortable with sexual stuff, yeah, no yeah. hang-ups about sex, yeah. consider sex to not be a behavior that needs to be, yeah, yeah. you know, controlled, like, as long as you're not hurting another person. Yeah. Like... Do you ever feel one left out or maybe two? Do you ever kind of go, why, <laughs> why do I live a life with no. more restrictions no, than look, these there's, guys? There's actually no restrictions. Sex, sex is like a good thing. Like it's a very, like it's a spiritually encouraged thing, blah, blah, blah. But just talking about, I feel weird talking about it. Like talking about the act, like I could talk about sex and sex acts and other people having sex, but talk about myself, I just find that. But what about sex before marriage and all that? Not cool according to the yeah, look, religion. It's not cool going to the religion. Some people do it, you know. I mean, they'll probably keep it private. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know. And and you don't have any, you, you don't feel any, like. It is, look, it, it, especially in the West, right? It's such a normal thing to just, to just, everyone just have, as soon as you, you get that erection, just get out there, bro. And just, yeah. just try and get some. Like, that's so normal. That's a really normal thing. And I grew up like, 
you know, talking about that and considering that normal. Yeah, yeah. but you know, that at the same time, I'm, I'm practicing Muslim, so I'm like, you know what? I do respect and believe in, uh, invest in the idea of of marriage. So, so you know, I'm gonna try and try and try and aim for that. Are, are you guys open about the fact that you're just Muslim married, or is that a private thing? Like, am Man, I, am you know I, what? I don't give a shit about not being married according to the state. Like, we just did vows. Yeah. On a basketball court, like with a, a, an imam, like a priest who just yeah. said some stuff. We had some family there, and. Who cares if I'm if the state doesn't if the government doesn't know that I'm married? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like we're committed to each other. Yeah, you guys are married. That's as far it. as you're concerned. So as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I don't know if it matters like legally for anything. Like maybe that's when we'll just go. Oh, we need to get we we'll yeah. just go get some paperwork done. But otherwise, I don't really care. But you guys are married as far married, as you're yeah, concerned. Yeah, I'm married, she's my wife, and you know this is as close to gay marriage in Australia as we'll, we'll get. You know, like Muslims and, and and gay people, like they can't get married according to the state, but we're not married according to the state, so. You know? <laughs> well, you can go to Ireland and do both. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to Ireland next month, man. Yeah, get married guys, in Ireland. That was Work out, a, see if you can get an Irish passport. and. Uh, what a turnaround. 20 years ago, you guys were hardcore Catholic and stuff. Was it about 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah. There's been a serious evolution in Ireland. And now gay marriage, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, Nazim. Nazim. Thanks for having me in your apartment. Oh, thank you, man. And thank place. you. Such an interesting chat. I think if you ever listen back to it, you'll be surprised. You came up with a couple of bangers there. You didn't realize. I don't know if I can Just like back. little sound bites that I was really? like, damn, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, everyone who's listening, if you happen to be in Edinburgh, go see Nazim's show. What's Thanks. it called? Uh, it's called Legally Brown at um, Assembly George Square, 8 o'clock. Yes, and... Uh, if uh, if you get a chance, uh, YouTube some of those great clips that he has. <laughs> and if he's ever doing a show in Ireland, please make sure to go see him. Hey, I'll be in I'll be in Ireland first week of September. So if you see me, if you see an unradicalized Muslim walking around, unradicalized <laughs> Muslim with a half Irish Muslim <laughs> in, in his arm, uh, say hello. That's me. That's me. Thank you. Thanks, man. So thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, check out Nazim's show, Legally Brown, at the Fringe. If you're over here. Uh, check out his stuff on YouTube. Some great clips, uh, some great sketches. Um, obviously, come and see my show whenever you get a chance if you're over here. And uh, yeah, just subscribe on iTunes if you're listening on iTunes. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Subscribe on Stitcher. Uh, spread the word about the podcast. We want to get the word out there. Uh, I guess my goal is to get a good mix of international acts and also Irish acts. Uh, I'm going to do a drive around Edinburgh with Jason Byrne very soon. Hopefully, Tony Law is going to join us, but I've yet to get that confirmed. Um, I'll try to hit one or two more of the Irish comedians over here, but also bring some international flavor. So spread the word, spread the word, spread the word. Thank you. I love you all. Thank you for this early support. Good day. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.